morning. Welcome to the CFX Connections podcast, Tips and Tricks for Amazing Audio. CFX aims to educate and connect to the people producing church services with those seeking to provide a better experience to their community. Our monthly podcasts are one of the ways in which we do this. My name is Ellen Lampert-Grayo, Creative Director for Live Design and LDI, producing classes, masterclasses, and digital magazine. I am pleased to be your guest host for this CFX podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with Samantha Potter. Samantha is an audio engineer, author, and editor for Pro Sound Web with a passion for writing and educating. Additionally, she serves as the install empress for Allen and Heath USA, helping to merge pro audio solutions into the commercial and install space. With a diverse background of live sound disciplines, Samantha began audio and production curricula for houses of worship, tech teams, and for religious leaders through assorted practicums and training programs. Growing up as a musician, Samantha found her way to live sound by way of the studio, proving that bassists make the best sound engineers. The host of Church Sound Podcast and a co-director and lead instructor for Church Sound University, Samantha can often be found teaching, writing, and hosting discussions on various live sound topics. Welcome, Samantha. Hey. Can you tell us a little about yourself and the companies you work for? It's not touring. Well, that's yeah. great. So um, when it comes to churches, a lot of them have been um, rethinking how they do their services this year. What are some of the biggest challenges that they are facing with their audio experience? I think some of the, the largest or the, or the most common things I'm seeing are that people um, are having a hard time translating their mix when it's happening in the sanctuary, like in front of them on the PA. They may be able to get that dialed in. And then they just kind of, either take a direct copy of that and put it onto their broadcast mix or their stream mix. And um, it doesn't sound good, obviously, or they're mixing their stream and it still is somehow not quite what they heard on the, on the front end by the time they listen to it on the stream. So there's usually a couple of things that are, you know, that's related to this. So the first one is you should never take just a direct copy of your main left and right. Like what's going on to the PA that should not go into the stream. Uh, when we're in a room, we have acoustics. We have the room is assisting us. The stage volume, the like drums are a really good uh, example. Drums make a lot of noise in the room. Oftentimes you may not have them very much in the PA. And if you just take a copy of the PA, it's not going to have any drums in it, but the stream's going to need drums. <laughs> so um, always making a separate broadcast mix uh, for your stream is absolutely important, even if it just means using, you know, uh, an aux out on your console. Uh, analog boards have, have aux outs. There's, you know, always try to keep at least one available so that you can do this. By the time you get to like really, you know, uh, digital consoles and those mid-tier kind of ones, you get tons of options and it actually opens up the door for having more than one person uh, kind of running the audio. You can have one person on one board running the front of house and then have somebody like on an iPad mixing the stream on the same console, but just in a different room. And you can go up from there. So there's that. And then the other big problem uh, with mixes not translating well is because it comes down to like audio compression. And I, don't, I won't get into a big uh, <laughs> networking thing here, but essentially when we... Uh, Try to send out extremely dynamic um, mixes through our codecs, like out to go to Facebook or whatever. 
they ended up getting like crushed to death. And so um, if you have a lower uh, stream bit or if you're getting compressed to death, it, like sucks all the life out of everything. And sometimes that can even mean losing some high end. I mean, there's a lot of weird artifacts that happen. So by far mixed translation in a nutshell is the biggest one I've seen. Okay, so are there any special tips and tricks that you can share with audio techs to improve their worship service for both online and live services? For sure. And that can kind of go with what I was saying just a moment ago in that having, so the absolute best possible way to uh, get a, like a good audio stream, for instance, um, would be to have literally an entirely separate person um, on an entirely separate board in an entirely separate room with their own copy of the inputs, mixing the service live, like in an isolated room with near field monitors and just going for it. The next best option is to, uh, like I just said, kind of give a, one person an iPad and have them go sit someplace else while functioning from one console. And then one way that I've done it, but you, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do uh, is, is just having uh, like putting cans on your ears, just putting over your headphones on. And like, I've just like turned my stage, I turned my back to the stage and tried to mix the stream like while I was at front of house, which can be really difficult, but at least it's something and it's not a copy of the left, right. So as far as some more tips and tricks for helping them improve their worship services, um, a big one's going to be communication and trying to understand like where you're trying to go. So if you don't know what you're painting, it can be a little hard to end up someplace reasonable. And so you may end up getting something beautiful anyway, but without any direction, it, it's hard to involve other people. So ha having open communication with your worship team uh, or your worship pastors and saying, okay, we have this we're doing these things. How do we want it to sound? Like, what do we want this to, to end up sounding like? Uh, having reference tracks or, um, you know, songs from published artists uh, whose kind of vibe and sound you, you want to emulate is really good to have in your back pocket and be referencing and listening to those. So, you know, okay, this is where the snare is sitting in this mix. I should go for that and things like that. I mean, it's really important to again have that open communication and have some kind of a roadmap. Uh, I would also say that um, the more people, the merrier. In that streaming is a really big, big job. And right now we're in a place where people we're, we're moving away from it being like an emergency, like we just have to get this online. And now we've moved into like long-term solutions. And so uh, with that, we need to start thinking about not only just audio quality and, and mixed translation, but also video quality and production quality. I mean, do you have extremely distracting like graphics that you're throwing up all the time? Um, are you able to do lower third graphics for your lyrics? Um, am I able to, you know, make out the details of somebody's face when they're speaking on camera and, and things like that? Um, so it can be, a whole, you know, I, I normally, speak for many hours on different tips and tricks uh, for audio related things. 
well, you could certainly go a little longer here, but we can get back to that in a minute. Um, how would you encourage these churches to build their audio team and what kind of people um, are they getting? That can be really tough, building teams. Um, luckily right now, or I, I mean, perhaps unluckily, I guess it depends on who you are. There are a lot of out of work, very professional people. And so really just putting the word out, um, you know, audio people, we're, we're a small community. Like you can shake the phone tree and pretty much get you. There's no way you're more than like two or three people away from any particular person in this field. Um, so shaking the phone tree and just kind of seeing who's available in your area. That may be a good one. Uh, growing teams uh, is also really easily done with like college students, particularly uh, college students, like if your local community college or a trade program or four-year university <clears throat> has an audio program or a tech production like program of any kind, they're great people to kind of recruit, uh, particularly if they've just graduated because then they're looking for work um, and working in churches is uh, a really, like it would not be hard to convince them to come uh, either volunteer or intern or get a job at your house of worship. You just get to work with sometimes really nice stuff um, and usually really good musicians. And it's usually a really safe place to kind of um, experiment and play. And it's a safe place to make mistakes. It's not like, uh, you know, you're on tour and people are paying hundreds of dollars per seat to go see something. So if you mess up, it's like a huge deal. It, a little bit less so in houses of worship. People are a lot more forgiving. So I would look in those two places, either the um, local production companies or, or people who are kind of looking for work right now, um, college students who are in these kinds of programs, or even high school students, like check your youth programs, your youth groups and your youth programs in, inside of houses of worship. Like they're probably really interested in the technology as to if anybody's ever talked to them about volunteering is a completely different conversation but it's totally worth pursuing, you know, uh, audio in houses of worship and really any production point for houses of worship is a, a lot of fun and it's really rewarding. And so you have to kind of be able to communicate that. And uh, I've been at churches before where uh, they would tout that they had the best snacks of all the ministries and they did, you know, they did have that. Uh, it was like, you know, it, and my goodness, that is one way to get teenagers to come out of the woodwork. It's like, like, oh, hey, we have chocolate donuts or, you know, they just come out from everywhere. But like they would are almost never low on volunteers. So if it costs, you know, um, a little bit of your time to talk with them and a, for our box of Cheez-Its, I mean, it wouldn't that be worth it? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny too, because some of the best singers always say that they learned, uh, you know, to sing growing up in a church. And, yeah. Uh, obviously music is a great part of this experience. So yes, um, I think that's really absolutely. I'm in Kansas city. Um, and we have quite a big um, music about like jazz kind of uh, industry here. And uh, pretty much every singer who is worth their salt also sings on Sundays uh, mm -hmm. in a church. I mean, they just all do, or they're part of like a gospel choir. Um, you know, 
there's just there's first of all that it's midwest so there's lots of churches everywhere uh, but then also like it's a great way to meet other talented people so you know this goes beyond singers it's a great way to meet other talented musicians uh, other talented audio people to get connected in and you know um houses of worship and i've been saying this for years at this point houses of worship are a real sleeper um spot like you can absolutely not even think about them without realizing what a great opportunity they can be so sometimes that means for those of us that are hiring or looking for volunteers uh sometimes that means we have to do a little uh you know advertising as it were and say like no it's i promise it's not <clears throat> you know like that or it's not you know people have their preconceived notions but you have to just kind of sell them and say hey this is again a, a very fun safe place for people to uh, learn about audio stuff or different kinds of production uh, to make mistakes and get better and more most importantly for audio people is get bored time getting bored time is really hard when you're first starting out um it, it, you know it's just <laughs> It's hard to give the, the kid that doesn't know how to drive keys to the car. Uh, but in church, it's so much safer. Night. Yeah, until you're at a show some night and nobody else is there and they go, okay, you. <laughs> there. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. But like um, giving them some time on the board, even if it was just like a Wednesday rehearsal or you know something, that's a great time. And they get so much experience from it. I like cut a, my teeth at a lot of churches in early in my career because it was just easy to get jobs in houses of worship and i ended up staying at houses of worship because i love the community so much so when uh, a church comes to you and wants to buy their first professional audio system or upgrade mm -hmm. what they have what kind of advice do you give them what are you trying to do in the next three to five years uh it's never you know it can't always be reached for the stars. That's just not financially possible. But what are you trying to do in the next three to five years? What kind of growth are you realistically expecting? I know we all want to grow to be a 10,000 member church or what have you, but like realistically, what's going to happen in the next five years? Are you going to want to start streaming if you haven't already? You know, are you going to want to have an online ministry? Are you going to want to um, publish your sermons or your worship band to like podcasts or online. Uh, will the band itself be growing? You know, will you try to have guest speakers? I mean, there's all these kinds of things that's like, okay, what are you trying to do? Because that will change what's going on as far as specking the system. Uh, I pretty much always recommend getting a digital console these days. They're just really affordable and they do so much. Like they just give you so many opportunities. And um, the PA and all this other stuff, uh, I've specced so many streaming things over the years and it's really affordable to get started streaming now as well. You know, with like a thousand bucks, uh, you can have a really nice professional setup, you know, get yourself two volunteers and a thousand bucks and you can have, you know, uh, great stuff, but it's all about, you know, who, who's going to be looking after this in the times after the shiny new stuff gets less shiny and new who's going to still be here overseeing everything. So yeah, we start with, okay, where do you want to go? And then I give some recommendations, you know, of course we have to talk about budget at some point. So it's like, what are you trying to spend or, or what grants do you have available? Things like that. 
Uh, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it can be a process, but it's basically lots of conversations. You know, I've made this comment a lot of times on my podcast is that everything that we do sort of just boils down to communication. <laughs> and that's true on this episode with you guys as well. Like uh, it all comes down to communication and talking with other people about what they want or what we want to happen as a team and things like that. I, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it does. So for the live streaming, um, is that like a whole new team or does the audio team do that? How, what's happening these days with so many churches doing that? I mean, in, in my experience, it's usually uh, the already existing audio team like um, starts doing the stream mixing for the audio part of it. You usually have to get at least one more volunteer to run the streaming mechanisms, whether that be like a video switcher or to kick off the stream on a computer or to just respond to comments and things like that on Facebook or, or wherever. That's going to take at least one more person. Um, you will eventually, if it grows to a certain point, it will take multiple people and the team will just have to grow. But I've also seen churches set up with, you know, their smart device on a tripod uh, near the chancel or near the stage or what have you. Um, and that's totally fine for them. So, you know, it's very democratized in that anybody can kind of do it now. It just depends on how big is your con. It really comes out. Okay. Well, how big is your congregation? Because that tells me how big your room is. That tells me how big your budget is. And that tells me where you're headed. But yeah, in my experience, um, it's a very slow create. It's like you have to ask the already existing people, like, would you be okay if we basically added to your to-do list on Sunday morning? And they'll usually say yes, because everybody's like, wants to be really helpful. And then it just like starts to snowball from there, but in a good way. <laughs> so let's just go back to the tips and tricks for a second. Are there really some cool ones that you uh, give people to get started or move up in their professional levels of working? Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a couple. Um, one is, uh, and I don't know how familiar with any of these processes are, so please uh, stop me or ask questions if you need one, but um, essentially there's something called subgroup processing or, or um, yeah, well, we'll just go with group processing where you can take um, a chunk of a group of channels and bundle them to a bus and you can process that bus in any number of ways. And so one way is compressing it, essentially. Uh, you can take like all of your drums and put them into a drum bus and then compress that bus. And it kind of does this like smudging effect where instead of sounding like a bunch of drums being played at the same time, it starts to sound more like a drum set together. And so I never underestimate the value of like overheads um, and well mic toms and things like that. Everybody's really into the kick and snare, which of course are the most important, but all of these other pieces really add to the drum like kit itself. So when you funnel all of these into the group processing, whether it be a multi-band compressor or just like a regular compressor, doing that little bit of kind of smudging with the compressor like really kind of blends them all together. And I'll do that with like lots of groups. Uh, I'll do it with, if there's lots of guitars on stage, I'll do it, drums of course. 
uh, groups of singers do great with group processing. So just explore with group processing in general to see what, what you can do with that. Another one would be um, playing with a chorus effect. Uh, if you've got one on your, on your digital board, or for some reason you have it as outboard gear, um, a chorus effect is essentially kind of like, almost makes it sound like dissonant. Um, it just adds, you know, a chorus-like effect with it kind of harmonizes whatever input it's on. But what you can do is send uh, some vocals to a chorus effect super, super lightly. You don't want to do too much. Um, and like just bear, if you can hear the chorus, it's too much. <laughs> uh, but putting in basically just enough of this chorus effect on your vocals so that it, it's adding a lot, it's almost distorting it, but it ends up adding a lot of harmonic warmth by making, so like, let's say we have two vocalists. If you send them both to a chorus and bring it in just enough, so, I mean, it's not audible, and it sounds like the vocals are getting a lot thicker because in essence, we're kind of pitch shifting and multiplying their voices. So it's making them fuller, uh, more present. Sure. It can be, sure. yeah. it can be something really nifty, especially when you're like low on vocals. Making them richer, a richer sound. Yes, absolutely. So that's well, a fun that's one um, that my friend Jim Yak had originally um, talked to me about quite a while ago. And then I ended up liking it so much that now it's just something I talk about all the time. Um, so that's great. <clears throat> Some other tips and tricks. Uh, I was just speaking with my friend, my new friend, Ryan John, um, yesterday. And we were discussing um, basically time aligning your channels. <laughs> and without going completely down the rabbit hole here, um, you essentially delay some of your microphones uh, to comp compensate for the physical distance that they have apart from each other. And by doing that, all of the trains, it's like all of the like hits of the drum stick for instance all the hits line up in time like perfectly so they end up being really punchy and full without eq or doing a bunch of extra stuff you're literally just delaying the signal by you know if your mics are two feet apart you would delay the closer one by two milliseconds uh sound travels at approximately a foot per millisecond so that's a really good place to start so Again, that's a complete rabbit hole, but it's really fun. And it's all of these little things that add up, you know, it's not like one plugin is going to make us all that. Oh, we're now we're, now we're a professional audio engineer. Now we're the best. It's like a hundred little steps that get you there that end up making a couple of percent difference, but it's like all the difference in the world. You okay. So, yeah. Well, that's yeah, great. Well, thank get ready on. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Samantha, for sharing such valuable wisdom and for your encouragement to all those who serve their community and their houses of worship. It's a great place to learn audio, as you've said. And um, some of the churches and synagogues I've seen have amazing systems. So I'm sure you're out there to help them all. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I've seen some pretty, uh, pretty epic systems out there. You can run, which is part of the fun of being in house of worship. You can have, you can end up running on really boutique equipment if you find the right places. So yes, it, sometimes very, very surprising. Um, so we'd also like to thank everyone who listened to our podcast today. We encourage you to read about all kinds of pro audio topics on pro sound web and check out all the live sound solutions available at Allen and Heath. CFX Virtual is taking place now through December 6th. This is a new way of experiencing a virtual conference through interactive and networking possibilities, as well as a schedule that won't overwhelm you. So check that out at www.churchfacilitiesexpo.com. Our next podcast, we'll be talking with Brian Dodd from Enjoy Stewardship on making sure to plan successfully for your annual fund. So make sure to come back and check that out on December 1st. Thank you, Samantha, and thank you all for being with us today. Thank you.